0: I'm Alex Meyeron, and I'm Sydney Lynch and this is Little Known Tracks this week we talked to America part two a rock band based in New Jersey despite Freddie being rejected from their first band at the age of 12 they soon realized they did in fact need a bassist and they've been playing together ever since they released their debut album in 2021 and soon after met one of their goals of being able to hear it on vinyl. In 2022, they released their EP, AP Universe* as an homage to their childhood and bookend to this chapter of their music. With a tour coming in the fall and the inevitable writing sprees that will follow, we can expect to hear a new chapter of their music soon. Without further ado, 13 Minutes by America Part
1: 2. It's all too much to take
0: America Part 2. Alex and Freddie are here with us. Thank you guys for joining us today. So just firstly, just tell us a little bit about, like, if you guys have any hobbies or anything that you're interested in, uh, particularly outside of music.
2: Sure. I'll start this one off. My name is Alex. I play guitar and sing in America Part 2. Um, stoked to be here. Um, I have a job cutting lathe cut vinyl records at in the clouds in new jersey um so that takes up a lot of my time during the week i have my best friend here in neo this is my dog he's the bomb dig It's my nephew (laughs) indeed uh i like to read books i like autobiographies and history right now i'm reading miles davis's autobiography i'm learning a little bit about bebop and jazz scene in the 40s at the moment and um yeah, like sunshine, being outside, eating good food and having good
0: times. All reasonable <laughs> things to be a fan of, I'd say.
3: I'm Freddie. Uh I wanna just note that I just uh watched like uh, the adaptation from the Miles Davis book. I just watched that on Netflix. So if anyone gets a chance, you should check it out. Uh it's just birth of birth of cool. Um, just named after the book. Um But yeah, uh we grew up like playing sports and stuff like that we still like like throw the basketball around at like uh band practice and stuff and we're just like chilling at like my garage and stuff and just like uh working on stuff for the band over there and uh I got like a little heat press uh setup where I like work on some shirts um I like uh I'll press some like vinyl uh like vinyl stickers but like you know, like designs and fonts printed out on vinyl paper. I'll cut it out and then print it on the shirts or whatever. Um, so yeah. Uh,
0: Do you design any of that stuff yourself or is it more like um, bought uh, like designs and things like that?
3: I've been like designing my own fonts. Um, it's very new. So I've only really done like two or three projects so far, um, but I like, I'm working on like fonts all the time and different designs, but it's like really funny. Like I'm working with the size of like the printer too. So they're pretty like small designs, but it's kind of cool. Cause I kind of like the, uh, I kind of like a uh, centered uh, logos and little designs, but it's, it's nice. Like now I can like diving in and like trying to like do some stuff like on my own and having like no prior experience to graphic design and stuff like that. Other than like maybe like a class in high school or something and like watching my friends do some stuff. But, uh yeah I've just been kind of like working on that I'll probably be doing like more designs for the band as well that was the whole purpose because we were like well, we're also spending money on merch which is nice like we like uh like like asking people to do some designs for us and like getting stuff printed in different places um but it's like nice also to do our stuff ourselves because we've always been kind of about uh making our own merch and designing some stuff and making making everything kind of, like, homemade a little bit.
0: So, literally, before doing all of that, there was no design or art experience. You just kind of, like, jumped into it, and... Well, I, I would
3: say, like, I've always dabbled in art. Um, just, like, I was always drawing and painting and stuff here and there, but, like, music was always, like, my thing, like, ever since I was, like, eight. I was on piano when I was eight, and then went to bass and percussion, um, bass cause I wanted to be in a band percussion cause I wanted to learn drums and get to being on the drum set and jazz band, you know? And then, uh, right when high school came around, I mean, like we've been jamming since we were 12. So, uh, when high school came around, we started touring, you know, all in just like different bands and stuff like that. And, uh, that kind of became like our priority, like right when we were getting to like our later teens, uh, everything else like kind of like subsided.
0: Now, I don't know um, a whole lot of people who have been playing with the same people since they were 12. I think that's a pretty impressive feat, uh, knowing someone for that long alone, let alone playing music with them. Uh, So tell us a little bit about how you guys met and how you started playing music together.
2: So like Fred said, I was 12. I was in uh, seventh grade. I think he was actually 11 when we first met, but I was like starting a band with a couple of my, um, like my neighbors or in my neighborhood. And like, we had like two guitarists and a drummer. And I remember like the drum, our drummer at the time, his name's Joey. He he does a lot of uh, sound and stuff for bands on the road right now. So shout out Joey. Um, but He was like, I don't know, he was all about talking shit and being like, yeah, like, my band's sick as fuck. Like, we're awesome. So, like, he went to school and he was in Fred's class and he was like, "Uh, yeah, my band rules. Like, da-da-da. And Freddie was like, oh, do you need a bass player? And he was like, nah, we're good. (laughs) (laughs) Just like that. So then, like, the next day, and now I'm kind of almost, like, speaking Fred's experience, but let me know if I'm wrong. So the next day... Uh oh, Joey yeah. comes in and he oh, sees yeah. he sees Freddie and he's like "Yeah, <laughs> language arts class and he's like, yo, Freddie, actually Alex said he wants you to try out. So like come on by. And uh so I don't know. He came, he like tried out. He was the only basis we knew. <laughs> we were like, you're in, you
3: know, and uh we've been playing ever since. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh I picked up bass because, you know, my parents, one of those things, like there was always music in the house. We watched MTV like every morning. My mom let us watch like music videos before school and stuff. And so um, I think like at a certain point, like them getting me on piano, I was like, no, I want to be in a band, you know, (laughs) and my cousins played guitar and drums. And I was like, well, I can't be a guitarist or a drummer. Like my cousins are a guitarist and a drummer, you know, that's a, it was just me as a kid just <laughs> having to be a little bit different, you know? And my uncle was a bassist, so I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be a bassist. And, yeah, I was, like, the only kid in school minus, like, one other kid who, like, kind of, like, I guess, like, he, like, also played bass a little bit. But, like, we grew up in, like, such, like, a small uh, – <laughs> It's like a beach town. Like, a small, like, offshore town, and, like, our high school is called, like, Shore Regional, and it's, like, like 180 kids, like, in the grade. Um, so we were, like – in middle school, we were, like – the only band in town maybe uh loose fit loose fit was the only other band or, uh, this is it or is this
2: it or whatever they were
3: called but hooking up with these boys they got me into scene music so they're like okay you got to learn these songs and so i learned like mayday parade all time low i remember playing our first gig we brought electric guitars no amps no, wait, no
2: amps, no amps no, no
3: amps and a drum set and we plugged everything into the PA and the sound guy was just like, what is happening? And our family and all of our friends. Like, first show, like, ever. ever. I, think, I think I played in that. It was that summer after we started uh, the band. I did, like, the Talos show once. I remember I think we did, like, I did Blitzkrieg pop with some friends. But other than that, like, seventh grade local coffee shop. They had, like, the craziest art on the walls. And it was just, like, uh remember just, like, <laughs> <laughs> so wild for, like, I don't know, like, just such a crazy avant-garde art experience uh and everyone was just very confused and we were like <laughs> wow we're like pretty bad um i remember having like sheet music up and stuff and uh but we did know that it was sick at
2: the same time because we still ripped like we played and that was what was cool you know like obviously we knew that we sucked because we clearly didn't know how to play but we still did it and that was cool so we just kind of kept playing but it's interesting because like freddie said we did get him into scene music because like, growing up being friends with him, him and his dad were way more into, like, classic rock, and really all kinds of, like, more, like, bigger rock stuff, um, but, like, for me, I'm a first generation American, so I had no rock and roll in the house, and, like, it was all, like, foreign music, or, like, Celine Dion, or some random shit, and so, like, I, my sister was, she was two grades above me, and she got into, like, super scene stuff, like, um, the Millionaires, Cobra Starship, like, just, like, neon shit. And I was like, that's so cool, you know? Tokyo Hotel. So, yeah, my first concert was Tokyo Hotel, which was a sick experience. And then from then, uh, I heard about All Time Low from, like, some friends around who had older siblings as well. And, like, they were playing Bamboozle Festival in New Jersey. And somehow I convinced my parents to let me go at 12 years old because my sister was going And the only band I knew was All Time Low. So, like, a few of our friends and I, like, went to to Bamboozle to, like, see All Time Low. And we got exposed to, like, everything. Like, anything that was around at that time was playing. And it was so epic. Um, It was a lot of firsts for me. And uh, from that point on, that's, like, how I started my musical knowledge. Was, like, from the scene. And then kind of slowly branched out. Like, I didn't even listen to the Beatles until I was, like, 18.
0: So it was—it was kind of like in reverse. I gotta say, the Celine Dion is really like—that's what you hear when you listen to America Part Two. Celine Dion is what I. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
3: <yeah. laughs> my, I'm not even joking. My great grandma used to always say that she's part of the family because uh, her her maiden name was Dion, and my uh, my family's French Canadian. She lived up in New Hampshire, and I'm not joking, but like we used to like laugh about it back in the day and now we're just like kind of it's not, she she was telling us this <laughs>
0: if you told me i would believe laughing you laughing at her <laughs> oh
2: my gosh all the things that are that are the wrongest at first
0: become the truth <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, i'm sure there's some sure. wisdom in that somewhere <laughs> sure.
2: So you guys talked a little bit about the music that inspired you to get started. um, You know, when you started at 12, what is some of the music and who are some of the artists that inspire you to continue writing now? Well, it was definitely a long progression, like from there to now, like for me, it was like I said, in reverse order. So it started with really seeing stuff. And then I got into the history and like, so I've kind of gone from like Uber postmodern to like, down the years this band influenced that band which influenced that band which influenced that band until getting to like the beginning of like blues and jazz and rock and roll and alternative music as we know it recorded from like the turn of the uh yeah i guess the 18th century but i think freddie probably
3: had like a little bit of an opposite experience yeah i guess um I guess with like, I don't know, there was always like a lot of music in my house because my sister did like theater and like my parents uh, really uh, just like pushed whatever we kind of wanted to do and put us in a lot of different places. And it was really like nice being like super active in like a bunch of different spots as a kid. And so like having music all the time. And like, I remember we would take drives with my mom to like wherever she was going, whether it was the going to go shopping and stuff. And like, we would just like listen to the radio the whole time. So we got that experience. And then with my dad, he had all these racks of CDs and I got to like choose whatever. So like finding Rage Against the Machine when I was 12 and then actually growing to like understand it throughout my like high school years and like having like a real love uh, for that band and bands like that, you know, um, I would say, you know, there's like the whole range, right? You get into music, like however you get into it. And for me it was like more of like the basics. Right. But I guess like, I got to a, give a lot of credit to when we were, like, in high school and, like, those days, like, the music we were listening to because um, we came from one side of the scene where it was, like, All Time Low made Mayday Parade and, like, also, like, the metalcore side because we were also, like, dabbling in metalcore, <laughs> metalcore bands. And, uh, and so we were, like, listening to Attack, Attack and still do to this day. Uh, but on the other side, the scene was turning over and around, like, 2010 2011 all the pop punk and a lot of like melodic hardcore and hardcore and a lot of stuff was coming up so um i would say stuff that influences like the writing of america part two is a lot of blues um because that helped me become like an actual songwriter i think because like i wouldn't actually just sit down with the guitar and try and let melodies come out while i was playing guitar like it was just all these things that were like building onto each other after years and i was like oh, wow, like you can write really intently and really slowly and really uh, personally. And then we would do stuff like that and bring it to the band instead of just like, because we, you know, there's no certain way to write, I think for us, but whatever we feel like that embodies, like, you know, like whatever we're going through, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I got to give a lot of credit to the blues, a lot of credit to rock and roll. I mean, like, um, in the, past couple years like the cramps have become one of the most influential bands to me and like one of my favorite groups um and like a lot of hardcore definitely like we were just talking about uh trapped under ice and turnstile and title fight like right around 2011 2012 2013 we got like a lot of awesome punk and hardcore and to Mm -hmm. see where like heavy music and guitar music is right now in the underground like that's what's representing like electric guitar music right now. So it's really cool to see all of that and see like where we're at in the middle of that being like a rock and roll band, you know?
0: So tell us a little bit then about, uh, your most recent EP, um, AP two Niverse. Uh, I want to like say it right, right. Like that's correct. That sounds, um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that and like the writing process of it, maybe some of the like thematic inspirations that went into that process.
3: Well, uh, we had just gotten off of releasing our debut album and that was like a long time coming. I think we were like, I guess America part two is ultimately the continuation of bands that we've been in, uh, you know, since we were young. And then when we ended our youthful bands and moved on to this, we like finished up school and whatever we had to do and move into America part two, you know we like really took our time to write songs for price of a nation and let things really come in different ways. And we were tracking live and doing things for the first time and really trying to like push ourselves. And so coming off of that record and doing our album release and having to finish it up right when, um, you know, uh, the pandemic started, um, you know, there was nothing really going on. And so, uh, you know, we finished up our album and we were like, okay, like, we're just going to like, you know, see where this goes and see how we can like continue just the excitement in art and music in like our local community. Cause we saw, like, saw people take to Twitter and be like, shows are done. Never going to see a show ever again. And um, you know, we did like the first drive in, in, in New Jersey and, and did some really cool opportunities. And we got to play chamber 43, which was a record store that was like, you know, doing really cool private things like they would have a band play upstairs, and then people would shop for records. Um, you know, just a lot of cool, innovative stuff for the time. But coming into AP Two Universe, we uh, we spent a lot of time as a band, and we went to this barn and we tracked basically like what we thought was going to be almost like a record. And um, a lot of great songs came out of that. But basically, uh, the five songs from the EP, we just felt most represented where we were at. Um, It was the most mature version of ourselves and uh, basically, like, represented all the other songs as, like, you know, a cohesive piece of music, I would say, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But there's a lot of...
1: There's a lot of
3: inspiration in that, I think. Um, I don't know. Can you think of any, like, artist inspirations for the EP?
2: Well, um, yeah, echoing what Freddie said, I, I think the EP was a really great way for us to like let out all our feelings during the pandemic and like we did record 14 songs that ultimately ended up being those five and we did it in like the the best like iteration of what we wanted to hear at the time which was like a a more raw record meets like um maybe more of the atmospheric big thematic ideas of music that we grew up on Um, so like we did live track the record drums, bass, and guitar was all live without a metronome on that album. And then we basically surrounded that with layers of like overdubbing different tones of guitar, um, some vocals, harmonies, and like extra instruments that we brought to the barn. Um, and we lived there for a month and just like, we're doing yoga and meditating and really kind of tapping into I don't know, it felt really healing to make that record. Um, I think we were definitely closing a chapter by making that record, maybe like paying homage to our roots as like teenagers a lot in that record. So you definitely hear a lot of that influence um, of like maybe a little bit of the scene music that we mentioned before, Um, but still pushing the sound in a way that we felt was progressive for us. And like, I don't know, I feel like after that EP and the album, when you put them together, you could kind of see the band going in a, a multitude of different directions at this point. So um, I think it's cool because really to us, good music is good music regardless of the genre. So like, we are like a guitar based band, but we also don't want to pigeonhole ourselves. Um, so I think the whole idea of AP Universe. Is like well welcoming listeners to like our side of the universe, you know, the world that the universe that we want to build. And within that universe, there's going to be many different galaxies, many different suns, different ideas, different thoughts, different sounds. So, um,
0: now I yeah. have a quick question before we like get too far. Uh, you said that you stayed in the barn while you did this like a literal barn or is that like a a code name that you guys have for like someone's house somewhere like what
2: <laughs> I'm sorry I guess we didn't actually touch upon that yeah we uh went so we usually would be like touring and stuff like that um, to get away from home. And so the pandemic happened. So we didn't get to do that anymore. So we were like, we got to get out of our houses. We're going crazy. We want to play music. And so we decided to book a barn in Monticello, New York as an Airbnb. Um, and we were going to stay there for all of the month of December, 2021, No, 2020. 2020, December, 2020. So, we were like, okay, this is gonna be our, I guess like getaway time to jam and kind of make a record, whatever. It turned into us calling our friend Doug Gallo to come record us. And like, we having us having this batch of songs to actually work on and turned into more of a an, uh, an actual production experience, which is cool. Um, so yeah, we lived there for a month. And like I said, we kind of just like got into the zone and became like uh, little punk monks and just kind of figured things out and like dove into our own psyches a little bit. Um, oh
3: i want to add this yeah, so fast. Ahead. uh a lot we we tapped back into a lot of our like inspirations from when we were a kid from when we were all kids so like we watched a lot of uh of the old cky videos and cky movies viva la bam jackass mm-hmm. uh we watched we played you know skate and we brought the xbox 360 and uh just really just like cozied up like uh, there's like the smallest downtown in Monticello, New York, because it's it's like ten minutes away from the Woodstock site where everything went down. So um, there's like a racetrack out there, like there's like a horse racetrack. It's like kind of like their thing, and there's only one, it's like one road, and there's like a natural market, natural food market, an Italian bakery which had breakfast sandwiches, breakfast foods, and awesome pastries. Mm-hmm. We went there like every morning, and um was an Asian spot or something. oh there was a greek spot the greek spot i was gonna say that because we got that
1: Yeah, it was such yeah, a good yeah, night yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All
1: right,
2: so like i said before i'm a first generation american my mom's side is from greece right so i had a lot of that growing up so we were like yeah there's was a greek spot let's hit it up so like one night like we were like getting a little crazy i may have taken a little bit of something you know what i mean and like I uh called up the place and like put on like a full-on Greek accent and it was so funny. they were just fucking dying. And like it's natural. It was I was just impersonating my uncles literally. And so we just like ordered the food and like we ordered so like a so stupid amount of food. Like,
3: like so much. Like food.
2: way more than we could probably even afford. And we just did it for the kicks. And we picked it up, brought it back, and just like turned all the lights off, turned the table sideways and had like a last supper watching. <laughs> for three plus hours it
3: was like amazing They don't make movies like that anymore
0: that's so good that's an experience all on its own (laughs) that's a whole oh man um yeah that as like a whole um blues brothers and greek night aside is like a really cool process for um making a record so that's really neat um, I think one other thing we wanted to ask about this record in particular was that we saw that you were cutting your own and that makes sense. Now that you said you do work for a, like, that's what you do for work. But um, tell us a little bit about that process, like cutting your own vinyl and stuff. Cause I think that's pretty interesting.
2: Yeah, sure. Thanks. Um, so Freddie actually mentioned before that during the pandemic, there was a place called chamber 43 that was selling um, records and had shows. So I actually worked there for about the year that it was open. Um, uh, You know, the best things, you know, go quick. But uh, I was there and I was selling records. So that got me kind of into like the vinyl world where I was like, kind of like shopping a little bit for the store and like ordering things for people and like figuring out what that is like and learned a lot about history and uh, the the process of records while I was there. Um, And then we went on our headlining tour to support, our album *Price of Nation* in fall 2021, I think it was September, and so then while we were on that tour, I just kind of like had a feeling that it was time for me to move on and find something else. So, like we had ordered, so during during the *Price of Nation* record cycle, we were signed to a label, and the label, like we tried to get vinyl the regular way, you know, um, but everything was so backed up due to the pandemic and supply shortages that the vinyl was going to take like a year plus to come in. And we were going on our support on our headlining tour to support the album. And we didn't have vinyl. So we were like, what can we do? So it's our like manager, our, it's our
3: goal, like our whole lives, you know? Yeah. And it was and then,
2: our debut album. We couldn't get the vinyl. So we were like, our manager, like found this ad in like an article where, um, he hit the guy up and they were able to get us records in a month. And when we were on our way home, I was like, wait a minute, how the hell did we get these records in a month? Uh, and so like, I hit on my manager and I was like or our manager and I was like yo like can you introduce me to these people because I'm actually looking for a job potentially before when I get home um and I would love to learn about how these are made and how the hell they did that and um yeah so I came home I took a tour of the place and it was at a perfect point where they were hiring and uh I got the job there in October so it's almost been a year now so as the goal, how is that hearing your music on a vinyl for the first time?
3: It, <laughs> the Price of a Nation vinyl, like, like, it, like, we 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 just set out to make the music that we want to hear, I think, you know, and that's just because, because, like, you ever have that feeling where you're just like, I want to listen to something, but there's nothing that can quench my thirst. Like, that's, like, been our our thing our entire lives so we're like well we have to make this music and listening to it on vinyl like it makes everything so worth it because it was meant to be heard on vinyl and like when when we listen to the test pressings for price of the nation we like we both listen to them like separately and i'm in my room i'm just like (laughs) 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 Um, i'm like oh my gosh this is the greatest thing i've ever heard like honestly like we're so proud of it and um the way that they, they cut vinyl, you know, is a little bit different than like the old school, like v- vinyl plants. So it's, it's cool to like, look at them and compare and see that there's like, literally, it's just this, both are just amazing quality. Like, it's just, it's, it's just been an amazing goal. And like to see that, like, there's also this other way to cut vinyl as well. Cause I don't know anything about that world, but like, it's like, it's like such a hidden gem in New Jersey cause it almost seems too good to be true. It's like, you can get, you can just like, order your like your dad some some like songs or whatever and just send them like a vinyl like you just like make the order one or whatever they do like some cool they do some really cool stuff at the spot so um yeah it's i feel super grateful i feel super grateful to like work with the people that we work with and like know the people that we know and go through this journey of like music like together and like you know, just like when we think back to like everything that we've gone through and like everything that it takes to like kind of be where we're at and stuff. And I don't know, just Dude, like it's like mind blowing. It takes so much just to get to like the starting line.
2: Like people don't even realize, you know, like what it, like it's a lifetime to become like an overnight success, you know, like it's so true. Um And like, you know, it's only like entertainment to some people, like, of course you wouldn't look into it unless you're really in that zone but like, it's, it's really for us more than just like a thing that we do or like a job or like some ambition. It's really more so like a lens for us to see life through, like a journey for us to learn about life on, you know? Um, so it's been a really cool experience. And like when I was 17, I prayed to the rock gods to like experience every single step of like this journey. And so far that's exactly what it's been like straight up from the dirt, just like planting a seed and growing every little mini step. Cause that was also part of the prayer. I said, don't let me skip a step. I want to know everything. And it's been, it's been on uh, a crazy ride so far and I still feel like we're just getting started, which is pretty cool. Um, but just to finish up about the vinyl before we move on, like Freddie said, like there's two different ways that the vinyl Um, that we have has been. So the one that we did with the label was like press at Pirates Press in public. And they're like, they do classic um, pressing. And we didn't skip out because we've always held vinyl close to our hearts. So like um, we got 180 gram vinyl, tri-color variant. Like it was like expensive and like totally worth it. Like when, when we first heard that test press, we were like, oh my God, everything that we like wanted to hear from the record making it, we finally heard on the vinyl it was like the dream came true in that moment like releasing the album was a whole nother thing and then like when we heard the vinyl it was like yeah. finally there
3: just once happened like Go listening ahead. to it like digitally like i could be like oh like the frequency on bass or whatever or you listen to to it in the car it sounds differently than listening to it through like a speaker in your room or something but like it really just yeah it just makes it all worth it for us i think because it's just like wow that's like you know we made that literally as best to our abilities as best as we can. And like, we like the vinyl is like the proof. And I think it all comes down to like literally just the music, you know, it's just about the music at the end of the day. We just make music with our friends. So, Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't want to cut you off. Keep going. Okay. Sure. 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 (laughs) So, so yeah,
2: so they do like, we got those like classically pressed, which is um, like for mass production pressing was created. I'll do a brief history lesson. So I went down to, uh, Memphis, Tennessee in, uh, March or April. Um, and there I was there with my girlfriend and we saw like the sun records building where like a lot of the Elvis and Johnny cash stuff came out from. And like, I learned so much about the history. So basically the place that I work at does lathe cut albums. Um, what you hear most of the time is pressed albums. So Originally the first way that vinyl was cut was lathe cut because it was one at a time it was one by one and you could actually do it live and that's how it started it wasn't because of recording studios it was because like people like the person who started Sun Records would go to see these bands live mic it up with a couple mics in the room and literally have that live cut into the the vinyl in real time um and so what ended up happening is because there was a lot of money in the record industry at the time not anymore. Um, people would uh, start trying to mass produce records. They say, "Oh, let's make this hit." What? there's a demand for this on the radio, so let's press it and sell it in stores. So what they did to mass produce, instead of sitting through the record every single time, because you have to listen to it in real time, even if it's from a recorded source, you have to play it over and over and over again. Um, what they would do is they would spray. They would cut the record and they would spray it with a chemical, which would turn into like a metallic like form. And I might botch some of this. So, you know, Google's there too guys, but like, um, Mm -hmm. and they would basically take this metallic, like some call a waffle, um, which would then absorb the, the grooves of that initial master copy. And then they would use that to press the many copies of the records, so on and so forth. So lathe cut is kind of like the first version and then mass production brought on pressing plants And now the place that I work kind of does like uh, a more modern version of lathe cutting where it is still more time consuming consuming and one of one kind of more of an art form. But um, yeah, it's, it's like a different option because again, like you could get a short run for lathe cut and it's like really special, or you could get like a mass produced run of, you know, minimum 300 to however many you want at a pressing plant. So it's just different options.
0: One of the other things that we wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about uh, was you're going on tour soon with Harbor. So tell us a little bit about that, um, what that tour is going to be like and how you guys kind of feel about live music in general and what you think this tour is going to be like.
3: Uh, I'm so excited. Uh, You know, this is the part two of us going out on the road with them. We just did a full U.S. tour in the beginning of the summer with them. And, uh, it was just beautiful vibes. I think, uh, Harbor's fans are beautiful young people who just want to have a really good time. And they just like are really good kids. They really appreciate the music they're going out for a good night and to just like lose it. And I think, um, it's been like all new experiences for us like this summer, cause we've been supporting, uh, Harbor and we've been supporting, uh, brick and mortar and Andres. Um, So we've been playing to a lot of, like, new fans uh, this year. So basically doing, you know, two full U.S.'s and then coming out. And now we're going to be doing just the Midwest with Harbor and uh, Kesley, uh, Kesley Boo. Um, I'm really excited. I think, uh, you know, whoever comes out to these shows, like, really appreciates the bands and really appreciates the music. And that's all we want to really see is just people there that want to have a really good time and, like, really support the art, you know. you know, I could say what, whatever, you know, and, like, we've been going to shows, like, forever, but, you know, in different scenes here or there, and in different genres of music that are, like, popping off and stuff, I don't know, there's, like, there's, you know, when there's, like, people that are not really there for, like, the music and stuff like that, and that's fine, too, um, to each their own, you know, but uh, really excited for this next tour. Uh, we've been working really hard on the set, and working really hard on these new songs we got so um and we love harbor so much they've they have become yeah they have become like really close friends of ours and uh same with uh kesley and yeah i don't know it's gonna be really good because we're doing um not too many far drives on this one we're just doing like a little tiny loop in the midwest and just doing like you know do you like, know the dates I don't know the, uh, you know, by now I usually would know. Freddie's
2: the guy who's like packed a month before a tour, every show and the distance between them before we leave. It's (laughs) awesome because I'm the opposite way. I'm like, I will pack the morning of because it feels fresh and relevant. And I'm just going to check out where I'm going tomorrow, you know?
3: It's good, good Uh, balance. Yeah, but we're doing uh, Milwaukee, Minneapolis, two shows in Iowa uh davenport and iowa city iowa city thank you uh some kansas some some kentucky we're doing lexington you know the horse capital of the world uh a couple ohio did you say Ohio? uh did not say ohio we got ohio um yeah some some good stuff and honestly like i'm stoked to be in like harbors world because they're out in cincinnati so it's just been like um really cool to see like like these shows getting packed out and you know like even um playing in like pretty obscure places for all of us i think like um i think going back to nebraska too and last time there was like like 40 kids at the show 30 40 kids which is like you know more of like we well, were you still you know a little punk diy show you know the the front room of the big theater, you know? Exactly. Uh it was it was a great time on the last tour with them because
2: like we would just roll up to a place for our first time and some some of theirs and it would be a sold out show. And we're like, holy shit, like let's put on a good show, you know? It's a good time.
3: So with the tour, are we gonna
2: be able to hear any new music coming up? Like are you guys have any in the works? What's next, music-wise? you know we did just release our ep in may but we actually are potentially planning on playing a newer song or two so yeah i think i think maybe maybe you could see something
3: honestly i'm really excited for this set because we're playing a really old song that we haven't played in a while and we're playing new songs and just like the greatest hits that we feel from the the record and the EP, because uh, also Harbor's the best. They're like, yeah, I have a 40 minute, 45 minute set. Most of the time, you know, like they're like, we're playing like 35, 36, 37 minutes. And they're, they're like, like, you can play longer. You can play more, you know? like, oh,
1: shoot.
3: Uh, <laughs> So like we're we're like (laughs) this time we're (laughs) stepping it up yeah but i feel like that's just you know it's natural i mean you got to evolve as a band anyway and you know we're in a completely different place than we were in the beginning of the summer so um you know things are moving and um yeah the sets the sets really exciting i'm really i'm ready i'm really excited for it and we do have some new stuff in the works but that's just like we're always writing stuff for the band and i think uh Really, what we're what we're seeing right now is, um, you know, we're closing out the year with this third tour, um, and we got a couple like cool things sprinkled in by the end of the year. Some stuff locally that we'll be doing, um, some really cool stuff around the holidays and whatnot. But um, uh, other than that, like we're getting into that that real writing period soon. Like, yeah, like we exciting. feel we're like oh, okay, like because we've been like dabbling, we've been working on some stuff, but now you know we're focused on the tour, um, so yeah, I'm excited to do this tour. And, like, it's 10 shows. It's, like, 10 or 11 shows. So, like, we're just going to have a great time every single night and just, like, celebrate with our friends and just have just just an amazing time and then come home and just take, basically, the winner to write until we're just uh, getting the gears moving for next year, really.
0: So those one or two uh, new songs that you guys might be playing, can we expect to hear a lot of what we've heard from America Part 2? Or is there some new stuff kind of, like, getting mixed in? Like, what's the... Is it still, like, the same vibe? Or do we have some different, like, weird u turn? Well, I actually... I've been, been wanting to, to
3: sprinkle way. this in, like, all... This whole podcast, because uh, uh, we've been talking about Price of the Nation and the EP. And I really feel like... Because we, we dropped Price of the Nation, and leading up to that, and leading up to the whole process with the label, uh, we dropped a bunch of singles, um... And so when Price the Nation finally came out, we followed it up with single Criminalized and then we followed it up with the EP, which we ended up dripping out, you know, like a year later, um, dripping out a couple singles for the EP and stuff like that. And I feel like that was one, like the LP movement was, like it was a continuation of that because we were also touring on the record and trying to support it. Uh, we We were touring on it for years before the record even came out. Like, 2017 2018 2019 we were playing split freedom i don't wanna for like years like i remember we played we played freedom for like three and a half years before like people knew the lyrics like (laughs) by the time it came out by the time it came out like which was you know different for us but price of a nation and the ep kind of was like this movement that looking back it looks like it's like it's like almost tying the bow on like that period and now we're we're like that chapter is basically closed and we're moving to just like m- a more matured place so um but I also wanted to note that I think like every song we do is just like completely different you know like just how it's all approached and there's definitely like songs that like don't get released or maybe don't even get recorded like stuff that we were on where like mm-hmm. we just don't end up going in that direction or whatever but we uh we feel like definitely um I mean, I like we all have a lot of things in the works that have like vaguely been brought to the band so far. So a lot of new sounds, a lot of stuff that we want to push ourselves with. I mean, we just grow musically all the time because we're always writing, we're always working on stuff, but we're always listening to new music too, and finding new music, even if it's very old music, you know. Um, so I I feel that we're in a really good uh in a really good place uh writing wise me too yeah
0: we're definitely uh excited to hear whatever it is that you guys have next um hope you guys enjoy the tour um sydney do you have any other questions so
2: where can we find and follow you guys online and listen to all of your music uh americapart2.com at America Part 2 on every social media site that will one day perish. So definitely go to americapart2.com and uh, Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, you know, Amazon Music, YouTube. Definitely big on YouTube. Check that out.
3: And if you head to americapart2.com, we have the link to our store, uh, which also has its own domain, which is Mischief Night. Um, And we're going to be doing some really cool drops for uh, Mischief Night and Halloween and for the next tour. Mm-hmm. you know, cause it is fall time. So it's exciting.
0: All right. Um, well, once again, guys, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us today. It's been a pleasure. Oh,
3: Thanks homies. Thanks for having us. Thank you. We
2: appreciate Girl. it.
0: Thank you so much for listening to little known tracks. If you or a loved one want to be featured on an episode of little known tracks, you can send us an email at little known tracks podcast at also, feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at LKTPod for all of our updates and occasionally giveaways and such. Once again, thank you for listening. Until next time.